Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to the Zoe Church Podcast. We are in a series right now, part four of Walk the Talk, a study out of the book of 1 Peter. Today, we're talking about big things happen when you do little things right. It's the little things that will turn into the big things. And so we're talking about how to steward our life, being faithful with what God's given us, talking about things today like using your gifts for the glory of God, the gift of hospitality. We're gonna jump into this week's message, but like always, thank you to everyone that shares this service, posts about it, comments, likes. It means the world to us. And if you're ever in LA, come by, see Mickey, Minnie, and Zoe Church. Come on, let's jump into this week's message. Big things happen when you do little things right. Come on, clap for some of our Zoe people reading our theme verse. You're not like that. The Bible speaks to our identity. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a marvelous light. You're not like the world. You gotta know how to walk the talk. I wanna talk around this idea in chapter four. Write down the title of this week's message. Big things happen when you do the little things right. I'm just telling you, big things happen when you do the little things right. Little things in your life create the opportunity for big things to take place. And I, want, I just want to encourage you today. You know that old say, statement, you know, don't, don't turn a mountain out of a molehill. Where does that statement come from? Because molehills become mountains. If you keep doing little things, eventually it's going to become something big. And you don't want to get into the wrong stuff that turns into an addiction, some deviant behavior that turns into a problem. No, don't let little things become small things, big things in the bad way. No, let the little things of your quiet spirit, let the little things of your gentle spirit, let the little things of who you are in private, let the little things of your kindness, let the little things of your generosity. If you do little things right, they become big things. Oh, I love the great John Wooden coach. John Wooden, coach of UCLA. He won 10 NCAA championships in Westwood at Poly Pavilion. This, the, the, the old story goes that John Wooden, the first thing that he would do with his players, the first thing that he would teach them, he wouldn't work on dribbling. He wouldn't work on shooting. It wasn't passing or defense. No, the first thing that he would do is he'd bring his guys in the locker room and the first thing that he would teach them He would teach them how to put on their socks. He knew that if they didn't know how to put on their socks correctly, they would develop blisters. And if they got blisters on their feet, they couldn't play. So you got to learn how to do the little things right. Because if you do small things right, they'll turn into big things. Big things happen when you do the little things right. It may seem small to the world. It may seem small to others. It may seem small to you. But it's the small things that make room for the big things. Now today, Paul, uh, Peter's going to talk to us. These are small issues. These are not make or break. They're small stuff. But I want to just encourage you. If you get this right, you'll, you'll get the opportunity to do something big for God. How many of you by show of hands want to be used by God to do something great to help people in this world? Come on, clap if that's your prayer. You got to get into the small stuff. 
I'm going to give you four things out of chapter four, four truths. Write down the first one. Live for God, not yourself. Here's what he says, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you've, you've finished with sin. You're done with it. You won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires, but you will, anxious, you will be anxious to do the will of God. Did, did, did you hear what, what he just said? He says, if, if, if you care more about serving God, you won't be so obsessed with your own life. You'll actually be anxious to do the will of God. Now, I love this because he's actually talking about living for God rather than living for self. See, we live in this culture that has so much pressure to perform. We are so results-oriented. And it's like, I, I got I to build my brand. I got to build my business. I got to make money. I got to make a name for myself. I've got to go here. I've got to go there. And we become obsessed in our culture of working for ourselves, working out our own vision. No, Peter says, no, you've got to come to the place where you don't live for yourself, but you are anxious to do the will of God. I love one time they came to Jesus and Jesus looked hungry. Have you ever seen somebody and immediately you were like, they look hangry. Like usually they're smiley, but they're just kind of like on edge. It's kind of like, like you just walk up. You're like, um, do you need a bar? Are you, are you a Lara or a Quest? Like, do you like fruity or do you, are you like chalky? Like what kind of bar do you want? They come to Jesus, they're like, Jesus, we don't mean to be rude, but like, do you need food? Like, are you hungry? And he's like, no, no, you guys, you don't even understand. I have food that you don't know about. And they're like, you know places to go on the fast that we don't know about? He's like, I have food you don't know about. And they're like, tell us more. My food is to do the will of God. What fuels my tank, what obsess my soul is being anxious to do the will of God. I'm not filled with anxiety about building my own life. I'm anxious to do the God stuff. See, life gets fun when you stop living for yourself and you start living for God. Life gets fun when you die to yourself and you awake to Jesus. Come on, clap today. If you're grateful, I don't want to live for myself. Oh, read it together. John chapter 3. I love this verse. John 3.30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Have you come to the place where you have decreased? Have you come to the place where you've died to self? Have you come to the place that what fuels you, what makes you anxious is, God, what do you want? Have you come to the place where you've asked God, God, do you want any more of my treasure? God, do you want any more of my time? God, is there any more of my talent you want? Because I'm anxious not for my own stuff. I'm anxious for the God stuff. Like, I want to be used by you, God. And I, l- listen, it's called living for an audience of one. See, this life, you deal with fopo. Fear of other people's opinions. What are they going to think? And I got to keep up with them. And I got to have this. And I got to have that. And so I got to po- and I got to ho- just in this management. Peter says, if you want to walk the talk, you become anxious to do the will of God. Like it, 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 it obsesses me. 
It's like, God, I just, I would die. I would just, I would just feel so awful if I didn't come to you and just talk to you and just ask you, Holy Spirit, what do you want? God, what do you need? How can I serve? How can I help? Lord, I just, nothing matters to me. I already get heaven. And while I, Paul the apostle is the one that wrote, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So while I'm on this planet, I've already reconciled. Nothing matters outside of Jesus. I live for Jesus. I walk with Jesus. I want to share Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Come on, clap today if you're grateful that you want to live for God and not live for yourself. When you get to this place, oh, I'm telling you, you enter into the adventure of a lifetime. Religion is boring because it is self-serving. Religion's, I got to feel good about my sin, feel good about my life, feel good. So I need to just a little, this little hit of peace so I can keep living my life. No, no, no. When you die to yourself, you don't even live for that stuff anymore. You live for the glory of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love that about God. Here's the second one that he teaches us today. He says, love people and host them well. So I want you to love people, but I want you to also put on your hostess with the mostest attitude. And I want you to have the spirit of hospitality. Oh, I love this. Look at these next verses, verses 7 through 11. He says, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and discipline in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Oh, I love this right here. By the way, let me just, just I will get to the hospitality. But did you hear what he said? Love people. And the way we know you love people is love covers a multitude of sins. So I'm operating in love when I cover your mistakes, when I cover your failure, when I cover your problems. If I expose you, I hate you. If I talk trash about you, I'm against you. So that's not operating in love, that's operating in hate. I hate myself or I hate you. There's hate happening. So when someone hates on you, they either hate you themselves or they hate you because hate is an exposer. God loves you so much. He covers you. He covers your problems. He covers your fears. Anybody thankful today that you're undercover? Come on, clap if you're grateful that God doesn't expose you. Oh, I just love the woman that got caught in adultery story. She got caught in the, in the midst of the, of the act. And they bring her out and all the people want to expose her problem and expose her issue and expose her failure. And they're ready to stone this woman. And they bring Jesus out. And they're like, Jesus, what the Bible say we get to do? And he's like, y'all know the scriptures. And then he says this. He says, okay, you who are without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. The Bible says one by one, they all walk away. And then he comes up to the woman caught. Can you imagine the humiliation she's experienced? Can you imagine the shame she's endured? Can, this is cancel culture in Bible times. This is people exposing and trampling on failure. Jesus goes, listen, I want to tell you something. I do not condemn you. I do not accuse you. What is he doing? He's covering her sin. He's saying that those people expose you. I'm here to blanket you with forgiveness, blanket you with grace, blanket you with, come on, anybody thankful today that God has not exposed your sin. He covers your sin. 
Oh, I love this about Jesus. He's a cover. Love covers a multitude of sins. And then he teaches us this. He says, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Julia and I grew up in homes. There was always somebody joining us for dinner. It was either another family. It was uh, a friend. Like my, my house was just always full. And by the way, I grew up in a home. Someone was always living with us. Somebody was always trying to get back up on their feet. And they were always living with us. Or missionaries were living with us. Or a pastor that had a problem was living just in recovering his life. Just There was always people over for dinner. I didn't have a first Christmas by myself just with my own family until the pandemic. You know, I grew up in a home where it's like I'm passing gifts to somebody. What's your name again? <laughs> Carlos. Here you go, bro. Don't know what's in it. Might be undies. I don't know. <laughs> so I learned hospitality from a home that invited guests in. This is what I love about God. Did you know some of the most powerful moments in your life will take place around a table? Some of those most spiritual, significant conversations you will ever have would not be in a service. They will be around a table. And so God says, watch when the church first started in Acts chapter 2. It says every day they were praying together, they were reading the scriptures together, and they were breaking bread together. Which just, I just enjoy saying the word bread today. Isn't that just a beautiful scripture? Bread. Because over the fast, Joy's like, do you want this, you want to go here? They have this certain bread. It's like flaxseed bread or some crap like that. And I'm like, no, I don't want anything unless it's real. I love gluten. I'm into gluten. I'm a gluten fan. I'm into gluten. I'm pro-gluten. I'm, I voted gluten. I love gluten. If you're gluten-free, I'm not mad at you. I'm just a gluten guy. They were breaking bread. And they were getting around tables. Do you realize that the reason why God asks you to host people is because he's hosting you? The reason why God is asking you to invite people around your table in your home is because God has invited you around his table in his home. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story about this king and this king's ruling this area and He's the new king in the land, and he's kind of going to the old regime, and he's like, I, I want to honor the old family that used to run this thing. He's like, let's go through the whole history books, and let's see if there's anybody left from that family. And they go through the whole place. They do a huge Google search, and they get on, you know, the, the ancestry tree, the whole thing. And they find there's this one guy left in the family. He lives in a city called Lodebar. Lodebar, translated out, is called the city of no communication. Have you ever felt like your sin or your problem has done so much damage, it's put you in no communication? It's put you in a place where you can't hear from God and you don't hear from others. This guy is living in a place of low day bar, no communication. His name is my favorite biblical name in the history of the Bible. His name is... Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is living in Lodabar. The king of Israel invites him to Jerusalem and says, get him out of Lodabar, no communication, and bring him to the king's table. He will eat here every single night. Anybody thankful that though your problems were big and though your problems were huge, anybody thankful that the king of Israel, the king of the universe has said, come and seat him at my table. 
See, you can go from no communication to the king's table by the grace of Jesus Christ. It's not earned. It's not deserved. No, Mephibosheth had physical ailments. You and I have emotional and spiritual ailments. And God says, come, come and sit. And because God has given us hospitality and because God has seated us, seated us at his table, he's saying, I want you to show the same love and the same grace and the same hospitality. And don't just bring Christians to the table. Don't just bring believers to the table. Bring people that never thought they should get a shot in your home or your table. Come on, Jesus sat with people around a table that didn't believe and didn't go to temple. So he says, love people well, cover their problems, don't expose their problems, and host people. Be the host. One of the most spiritual things you can do is be hospitable. Oh, I love when people come to my house. Oh, I love to get the candles right, get the playlist right, get all the food out and say, what do, can I get you something? What do you need? Just hosting people, entertaining people. It was modeled for me, not by my parents alone, but my father in heaven. It's little things that turn into big things. It might seem small. Come over to the house, order some, order some food on DoorDash. This is not spiritual. No, there's power in the little things. Here's the third thing. Write it down. He says, let God use your gifts. Uh, it's small, small stuff. I know it's, I know it's small, but li- listen to what it turns into. First Peter chapter four, verse 11. For example, if you have a speaking gift, speak as though God were speaking his words through you. If you have the gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength God gives you so that in everything, God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. For to him belong the power and the glory forever throughout all ages. Amen. So, so, so Peter is saying, hey, if you got a gift, and he uses a couple examples. Now, I want to take Pete, hold that thought from Peter. Let's go over to Romans 12 and watch Paul say, say, say the same thing. Just Romans 12, just watch this in verse 6. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, Well, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So God just showed us a number of different gifts. And notice that there's no ranking in gift. He just says, if you have this gift, well, then use it. If you have this gift, then operate in it. If you have this gift, then you should use it. So I want to ask you, have you identified your gift? Do you know what you're gifted in? Because we use our gifts. By the way, your gifting, we don't worship gifts because you're not the author of your gift. God gave you, the reason why you're good with numbers is God made you good with numbers. The reason why you're so creative is God made you that way. The reason why you can talk is, my my three-year-old's about to turn four on Friday. He came out of the womb talking and entertaining it's a gift. To me, sometimes a curse, but it's a gift. What's your gift? My six-year-old has the gift of humor. He makes everybody laugh. I didn't teach him, you know, son, when you tell a story, you should do this. No, he's just gifted. My, my oldest son, my eight-year-old, Winston, he just has the gift of responsibility. He's uber responsible. That's just a gift of his. My, my 10-year-old, Georgia, she has the gift of life and hope. That's just the gift of God in her life. All of us have gifts. Can I ask you, what's your gift? 
Now, I don't mean to be a spoiler alert. Nothing worse than somebody that watches a TV show or a movie and spoiler alerts. I don't mean to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. Sing 2. Sing 2 is the best movie I have seen maybe ever. And Sing 2 is so good, I'm just going to give you a little something, okay? Sing, there's no kids in this service. Sing 2... There's a guy in the movie named Clay Calloway. In fact, my eight-year-old has asked that our family for this year's uh, upcoming Halloween that we all be sing two characters. My son the other day from the back seat was like, Dad, you'd be a great Clay Calloway. I was like, why would you say that? He's like, because you're a rock star. I was like, son, we got a lot of talking to do. That is bizarre. So Clay Calloway in the, in the movie, Clay Calloway is played by Bono. Bono has a gift of obviously writing songs and singing them to bring life and hope and encouragement. But Clay Calloway, for whatever reason, his heart is broken and he's living like in the boondocks in a house where he doesn't want to talk to anybody. So these characters go out all the way to Clay Calloway's house. They, they, they invade his property. They break in. They trespass. And they try and convince Clay Calloway to come back into town to start using his gift. I wonder if you feel the Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 no. You're not meant to live on the sideline. You're not meant to live out there away from community. No, you need to use your gift for the glory of God. Use your, and by the way, we don't worship gifts, we worship God. We don't make much of a gift. It's, I'm not impressed with someone that's gifted. That just means I'm impressed with God. God gave them that ability. It's a God-given talent. Why would I worship a human? All the worship goes to God. And I love God. I love Jesus' words. He says, listen, men should see your gift and they should glorify the Father. You know something's wrong with you when you want all the glory to go to your gift. All the glory to go to yourself. No, people should see you operate in your gift and give thanks to God. People should see you operate in what you can do like nobody else. And they shouldn't worship man. They should worship God. How do you know your gift is working and working appropriately? When, when your gift operates and people don't even see you, they see Jesus. See, we live in a culture that's like, wow, take your gifts, take your talents and leverage and monetize. Leverage your gift, monetize your gift. But the gospel is about taking our gifts and our talents and saying, Lord, you gave me these gifts. How dare I use them for my kingdom? This goes back to point number one. How dare I take my gifts and use them to build my platform? I will use my gifts to bring glory to your name. Are you operating in your gift? Some of you are so gifted and so talented. It's not about what God's given you the ability to do for you. God's given you the ability. If you can talk, talk for Jesus. If you can encourage, encourage for the glory of God. If you can prophesy, prophesy God thoughts. If you can give, give for the glory of God. This is a, it's a small thing, it's gifts. But if you use gifts the wrong way, they'll end up destroying your life. Gifts were never meant to be used for us. They've always been meant to bring glory to God. Worship team, come join me. Here's the last in the... Fourth one, would you write down, look for God's grace in tough times. Look for God's grace in tough times. I love this last thought here. Look for God's grace in tough times because watch what he says in verse 12 through 16. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through. As if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ 
in his suffering so that you will have wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, this is big. Watch this part. If you suffer, however, listen to what God's saying. It must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. Are you suffering correctly? You suffering right? He says, don't be surprised when you go through fiery trials. Jesus also said this. He said, guys, heads up. They hate me. They're going to hate you. You cannot walk the talk and not face persecution. You cannot walk the talk and not have people going like, why are you a Christian? Why do you go to church? Why do you tithe? Why do you live that? Why are you kind? Why do you forgive? Why, are you, why do you act that way? You, you cannot be a believer and not suffer for his namesake. He says, but let your suffering be because you've been called a Christian. Don't let it be self-inflicted wound. Like, like, you know, like getting into other people's affairs, you know, like causing trouble and drama, you know, like murder and stealing and all kinds of compromise. He said that right there, that's not suffering. That's just stupidity. That's just right there acting a fool. He says, let your suffering be because you're a believer. Let your suffering be because you walk the talk. Let your suffering be because you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a marvelous light. Come on, anybody thankful today that I'm going to suffer on this world and it doesn't matter, but I'm not going to suffer for the wrong stuff. Like, don't let your suffering be because of self-inflicted wounds. Don't let your suffering be because you, you gossip or you love to house gossip or you love to slander or you got a bad attitude or you get into other people's affairs. He said, no, 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 don't suffer for stupidity. Suffer for our Savior. No, it's been granted unto you, not only to believe on Jesus, but to suffer for Jesus. See, what you and I signed up for, it's not just a life that is perfect in heaven. When we go there, it'll be streets of gold. It'll be banqueting table. There'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more suffering. It's perfect up there. It's not perfect down here. And while you live on this earth, many people will not agree with what you believe in. Many people will name call you. Many people will question you. Many people will go against you. And he's saying, he's saying, no, no, no. I was in the chair and somebody was asking me, don't you follow Jesus? And I crumbled in the moment. And I said, no, I don't know. He said, no, no, no. That suffering that I faced there was self-inflicted. He said, don't go through the hardship I went through. If you go through hardship, let it be because they're laughing at you or being critical of you because you stand as a priest today. You stand as a chosen generation. Let it be because you're trying your best to walk the talk. Say, I'm believing these are little things. But if you do them right, you develop into a big life. Big faith, big soul, big opportunities. See, God always sees your faithfulness in the little things. To see if he can trust you to be faithful with big things. Your stewardship of hospitality. Your stewardship of your gift. Your stewardship of your suffering. 
your stewardship over your ability to say, I don't live for myself, but I live for God. Your stewardship of God first life. Little stuff, it'll turn into big stuff. I believe over you, you're called to do big things for God. I believe over you, you got royalty flowing through your veins. I believe over your life, the best is yet to come. I believe in, th- in this room, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can imagine the things that God has in store for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And I'm believing you'll start with the small stuff. Don't get caught up in big things. God always starts in a manger. He always starts with little stuff. That's why the Bible says don't despise the day of small beginnings. Come on, clap today if you're thankful. Because if you do the big thing, if you do the little things right, big things will happen. Come on, stand to your feet. Jesus, we love you today.